0: scripture that God's going to be preaching out of. Uh, It's in uh, Matthew chapter 4 and it's going to be verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempters came to him He will command the angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came to attend him.
1: I want to talk today about a weapon that is given to us as Christians, and it's called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And as I begin, I would love to just ask you a question. Most of the time I save this kind of question toward the end, but I thought, well, why not just start with this question? How many of you would love to know the word of God better? How many of you would love to know how to use the word of God more effectively in your lives? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just kind of think if I start there, you know where I'm going, right? I'm going to challenge you uh, to be uh, a student of God's Word and to learn how to use the Word of God. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And I want you to understand how important this is, how important it is for you that there are people who know how to use the Word of God in such a way that helps you understand better. There needs to be people at every level of understanding, people who are, very intelligent and can answer some really difficult questions in the Christian life and questions that are impacting our culture and we need people who can answer very very basic questions that they can just lay things on the table for children to understand and that children can understand the Word of God and there are people that need to train pastors and there are people that need to write books and there are people that need to respond to all the all the issues that are taking place in our, our world and this, this book. This book is the, the basis or the source from which we are looking for answers on the, how to navigate this world. So as we look at the spiritual armor that every Christian ought to be uh, aware of and learning how to use and become more skillful in, then I just wanted to begin there just to kind of say if you have a hunger... Uh, and I hope you do, that you have a hunger to learn more about the Word of God, then I'm, hopeful, I'm hoping that you'll understand why this is something that is the normal equipment of any Christian. Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then I want to talk a little bit more about this. Father, we just pray that we would understand all these different things that you talk about in Ephesians chapter 6, and that every Christian should know how to be equipped and... and we, we need to know what we have to stand against Satan's schemes, but we also need to know how to um, go forward with the work that you've given us. I pray that you would make it very relevant. I pray that someone who's sitting here right now, God, could just be helped, that someone's just really going to feel encouraged, motivated, have a better understanding of how to use the sword of the Spirit of God, how to use the scriptures. Maybe it would really um, inspire someone. Maybe someone's really lagged in this area. They just really struggle and this is going to encourage them, God. I just pray all these things and the reason we want that, God, is because we want the gospel to go to all the earth and we want people to be saved and we want those who are in the faith to grow we want to grow we want to be strong in our community we want to respond to the lies that just permeate this world where we live so please help us god visit us by your holy spirit be our teacher god be our main teacher today may we feed and feast upon the word of god holy spirit teach us in jesus name amen i want to go back to ephesians 6. i know we read Matthew 4, but I read Matthew 4 because it's going to help us understand Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, we're told to be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil has many schemes and strategies. It's very effective. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness. We're living in this present darkness. There's a darkness in our world that a lot of people are totally oblivious to. They don't see it. They don't think about it. They don't think. They think, oh, the world is good and everyone's good and everything just somehow magically works out, which is completely false. It doesn't just work out. Um, But we need to... We're wrestling against rulers, authorities who are part of this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There's a a realm beyond just the natural world or what meets the eye. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That is you. You and me. Take up the armor of God that we can withstand in the evil day. After everything comes our way to be able to stand. Therefore, fasten the belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Shoes for your feet having put on readiness given the gospel of peace. In all circumstances take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish or block the, blame, the flaming darts of the evil one. The fiery arrows. Take the helmet of salvation, which is, protects your mind and your thinking. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then I like to consider this as the seventh piece of equipment is the, the weapon of all prayer. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To the end or for the purpose, to that end, keep alert. like Wake up, pay attention, don't get sleepy. Don't relax, keep alert, diligent, with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints, like pray for each other, folks. Pray for each other. Pray for the saints here, everywhere. Also for me or anyone proclaiming God's word, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We need boldness. Pray for boldness in all of us that we may open our mouths boldly out of the mouth. And this is going to relate to the sword of the Spirit. Speaking the mystery of the gospel, which I am an ambassador. We're all ambassadors. Paul was actually, literally, an ambassador in chains. He was in jail even when he wrote this. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So there we have the the charge. comes at the end of this letter to the Ephesians. And Paul is calling them to be very bold Um, aggressive offensive minded not always a lot of the equipment has been defensive like Satan's on the offensive and we have to have skill but here's the offensive the offensive part is that we can go forward and we have for the offensive part the the Bible the Word of God the sword of the Spirit it needs to be the Word of God in control in the hands of it's it's dual it's like put your hand on the sword but it needs to be the sword of the spirit like it's it's your sword you need to own it and take it and use it but it's his sword he is the sword of the spirit it's it's not really your sword but you're take you are putting your hand on his sword you recognize how precious it is and how mighty it is and how powerful it is and when you have his sword you can you can do far more than you think you can. You can do far more than you imagine. You are far more capable. You, no matter who you are, you may be a brand new Christian, but when you take that sword of the Spirit, the simplest Christian, the brand new Christian, the youngest Christian can do amazing things when they, when God gets hold of them and they get hold of the sword of the Spirit of God. And so the mouth out of the mouth of babes, amazing things can take place when people understand the power of this wonderful book the power of the life-changing power of God's truth and God's word Uh, one time uh, in one of Spurgeon's sermons Spurgeon's an old guy he's not around anymore just in case you didn't know and you're like who's that Spurgeon guy y'all mention a lot he he lived in London and preached in the 1800s and I think he died in 1892 something like that. So he's not around anymore but he said some pretty impressive things. He was just a very gifted communicator. He said to be a Christian is to be a warrior. The good soldier of Jesus Christ must not expect to find ease in this world. He, it is a battlefield and I just want to um, push against that idea that some people think Christianity is to make you have the good life, the happy life, the easy life. That's not biblical it's not biblical like christianity makes you avoid trouble and trials that's not biblical that's the way some people that's the health wealth prosperity you've probably heard of that gospel it's like oh serve jesus and everything you're going to have a happy day and everything's going to work out and you won't get sick and you'll be healed of everything and your um, bank account will go up and your house will get bigger and your car will look cooler And um, you'll write books and you'll go to amazing worship services and you'll just be a cool crowd and everybody will see the bumper sticker on your car like, yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm one of you. And you'll get to wear all this Christian, cool Christian uniforms. And like, that's not, somebody made all that up and his name starts with an S. Okay, that's not the teaching of the Bible. The Bible says... Strap your arm around, because this is going to be hard. And then it says, and it's going to be the most worthy thing you've ever done with your life. If you become a Christian, you're going to join the mission of God. And Satan's going to recognize that you've changed sides. He's going to recognize you're you're wearing a uniform now that says, Christian, follower of Christ. And he's going to come after you but know this, we win and he has been defeated and you're going to get to take part of the greatest thing that's happening in this world it's greater than Wall Street, the Olympics Super Bowl um, getting a great cool new job running a business having a street named after you whatever he says this is way better this lasts, all that perishes and he says, you want in? Just, and then I love that about the Bible. The Bible doesn't say, well, come on in and we'll tell you after you get here. You know, like a secret society of some kind. Like they don't tell you what you really just bought into. Like the fine print down at the bottom of the, as the, they sometimes call the lawyeries. And you're like, oh, well, we forgot to tell you down here. Jesus was so up front. And he said, come on in, but just know it's going to be gonna be hard, and we have a real enemy. So when Jesus recruits, he's just open, and he, but he says, "This is the this is the way you save your life, and if you don't come over here on our side, you'll lose your life." And he's just the Bible's just so straightforward and honest, and I love it. So uh, another guy that a guy that gave his life for the gospel, his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he died just before Second World War ended. And he died for his faith in God and his faith in Christ. And he said the lie of the devil is to make man believe he can live without the word of God. There's a lot of people today think they don't need the word of God. And there's a lot of people who are Christians who act like they don't need the word of God. Right? Don't we do that sometimes? You ever done that? You ever go for days and days without eating from God's word? It's like, yeah, you're in here. Amen. Amen. Yeah, preach it, brother. That's right. And sometimes we are un- unintentionally fasting from God's word. And so the Bible just says, "Hey, remember remember what we what we're here for. Remember what we're doing. You can't live without the word of God." And then in verse 6, 17 it says, "Take the helmet of salvation." And then take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit. That's what I'm encouraging you to do today. Take the sword of the Spirit. Just, I know it may be harder for some than others. Some may say, oh, I'm just not very academic. Um, I know people that aren't academic, and they can read TikTok and Facebook for days on end. I don't know how you even understand what you're reading in there. And they say, I can't understand the Word of God. But they will be on their phones forever and ever and ever. And what is on your phone but words and pictures? Maybe all you do is look at the pictures. I don't know. But I have a feeling some of you read the headlines. So I know you can do it. I know you can do it. I know people who can't even read who know the Word of God very well. Because they have a hunger for it. They hunger. And they'll have someone read it to them or they'll listen. They're very attentive because they have a hunger for it. Okay, so I, I want to, I wanna for just a minute, I want to see if I can give you a little bit of a difference, a distinction between the belt of truth and the sword of the Spirit. So, if I can say it like this, the, the belt of truth is the body of knowledge. The Scriptures. And everything that you have. Let's just say the, the belt of truth is like, my life is built upon the truth of God's Word like a belt, and it holds together all the pieces of equipment. My life is held together by God's Word, by the truth of God's Word. I need truth. I need God's truth. And my life is held together by this belt. But the sword is my ability to take a Scripture and apply it. The sword comes out with a particular response to a situation and the Word of God. The belt is what ties my life together and I have the Word of God and then the sword of the Spirit is when I go on the offensive to address something. Out of the knowledge, my knowledge of God's Word, I can take the sword out and address an issue and speak to a lie. I have the truth, I live my life every day I put on the belt of truth. Every day I need to be studying and reading the Word of God. I need to fill myself and tighten that belt and study and understand all kinds of things. And then in the moment when I'm walking in the Spirit of God, I can take His Word and apply it with power and effect. And so you understand now a little, a little bit more. There's, there's a picture in, in Revelation 1, and it's a picture of Jesus and it says, it's, it's very symbolic and very um, graphic. And it uses a lot of symbolism describing Jesus. And it describes, it's like Paul had this vision. And he saw the Lord Jesus. And he said he fell at his feet. It was overwhelming, beautiful, beautiful picture of Jesus. And he just fell down. Like almost like he was dead. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. He was so impressed, so in awe. Beautiful picture of Jesus. And he, his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. So he spoke. And his speaking was like a, it's very symbolic. Do you get, do you see the parallel? He spoke the word of God and it was like he could see, he could, God let him visually see the power of the words of Jesus. And out of his mouth came his words and they were sharp like a two-edged sword. It's a very graphic picture. And it fits so well with Ephesians. The power of the word from God. And then He's given us the sword of the Spirit. And then you're familiar with Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Or we could say like a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So in Ephesians 4, it's describing the Word of God that we can take hold with our hands when we're filled with the Spirit of God and the truth of God. And we can take this sword and we can use it in such a way that it cuts to the heart. Do you, do you remember this? Have you experienced this? This is what happened when you got saved. The word of God came and it cut. It cut. Not with a, the a knife of a butcher. But with the blade of a surgeon. It cut. And... As the preaching of God's word came in Acts chapter two, and the preaching and the declaration of the gospel came, and it says it cut to the heart, and they felt exposed. Hebrews four says, and it will dis- it will show and reveal things about your heart that you've been hiding, and you won't let anyone see. And God comes, and suddenly the word of God just slices and. Your heart is exposed before God and your sin and you're going, woe is me. Woe is me. Oh God, I am a sinner. And he cuts all the layers that you've put up and all the layers that people have told you and all your self-delusion and the truth is just cut open and bare before God. And you fall down on your face before God and you say, oh God, heal my heart. I am exposed for all that I am before you. And you cry out to God and He says, that's why I cut you. That's why I cut you. Because I want to save you. I want to give you a new heart. But you've been in denial. You've been denying that you have any problem. You've been denying your struggle with lust or your struggle with alcohol or your struggle with anger or your struggle with bitterness. You've been walking in bitterness and you've been hiding it and the Word of God comes and just cuts. And you're open before God and finally God says, finally you're dealing with that sin that you've been ignoring or pretending. You've been coming to church week after week, year after year, but you've, you've resisted the scalpel. You've resisted. You come in here and you say, Lord, I don't want to hear about this or don't talk to me about that issue or don't deal with that issue or I'm not going to go to a church that deals with this issue or talks about this kind of stuff. I'm just going to go somewhere where I don't have to do surgery. No one's going to cut on me. I'm going to be open and sensitive about what I want to be. But suddenly... For the first time, you feel the power of the cut of God's word, but it's a clean slice. And the heart goes open and the gospel goes in. And the healing of God begins because finally your whole heart is open before God. And that's the power of the word of God. And that's the power that you have. That's the power that you have when you use God's Word. You become part of God's tool in God's hands. And when you speak the Word of God, sometimes you have no idea what you're doing or how effective you're being. Or maybe that God used something you said as an instrument of God. And you're able to cut back. Someone has just been layers and layers of lies they've told about themselves. Or maybe they've thought too highly of themselves And that needs to be dealt with, that pride. Or maybe they thought too lowly of themselves and people have put them down their whole lives and they've lied to them and said, you're nothing, you're worthless and there's no hope for you and God couldn't possibly love you. But whatever it is, the Word of God properly applied has the power to change people's lives and we are invited into this. When I look at Matthew chapter 4, which we read at the beginning of the service, we have Jesus modeling for us what it means to live out the Christian life. And in in Matthew 4, where Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, and he shows his expert skill as a swordsman. Like no one ever, Jesus was able to apply, always, always. The right word at the right moment. There has never been a swordsman like Jesus. No one has ever been as skillful as Jesus. No one has ever had everything tightened on by the belt of truth, no one ever stood in the righteousness like Jesus did in His own righteousness. No one ever had their thinking so clearly dominated by their walking with God like Jesus. And so Jesus goes as the quintessential soldier into battle in hand-to-hand combat with Satan. And He pulls out the dagger and he, three times He just stabs His enemy with the Word of God. He just stabs stabs him, and every time Satan has to leave, Jesus come obliterates Satan's misuse of Scripture. And, and there's four things I want to say that could help us when we see this example of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Remember, Satan uses Scripture. Satan quotes Scripture. So please don't think that it's just because you go to a church that holds up a Bible, they're following God. Satan uses scripture. Satan quotes scripture. There's lots of people right now who've been quoting scripture for years and sometimes they get exposed as being a false apostle or a false prophet or they have been deceiving people. And they, some of them have large followings and suddenly all of a sudden people wake up. and like there's that ha- That's happening right now in our culture and you're watching where people are lining up on some critical issues. And you're going, no way, that's not biblical. And some of them are taking unbiblical positions, and some of them are taking that another step, and even heretical positions. They're even saying things that are heresy. It's one thing to have, like I'll say this one church is one church is Baptist and the other is Presbyterian. They can't both be biblical on the issue of baptism. It's just impossible. Someone's wrong, but that's not heresy. Someone's wrong. That's a, that's, someone's got to be wrong. You can't both be right. But that's different between what we would call a heresy, and a heresy is something that strikes at the very core of the gospel. A heresy is something that you can't have wrong and go to heaven. Pretty sure there will, I'm guessing there's going to be some Presbyterians and Baptists in heaven, but there will be no heretics there. You see the difference? It's a big difference. We can have some disagreements on Christians and some things, but there's some things that disqualify you from being a Christian. And that would be heresy. Okay, and so that, that's an important distinction. So um, Satan is a heretic who doesn't mind using the Bible. So when Jesus went out, there's, there's four things I just want to mention He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was led by the Spirit. And I want you to be led by the Spirit. And guess where the Spirit will sometimes lead you? Where you don't want to go. The actual Spirit of God will lead you sometimes into the wilderness. The Spirit of God, we read in Matthew 4, the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And sometimes people say, well, this can't be of God because I'm over here being tempted by the devil. Well, how you respond to the devil is an issue. But folks, we're in his his domain. He's called the prince of darkness, the prince of this world. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? You have to leave this world to no longer be tempted. But the point is Jesus was listening to the spirit. It's one thing to walk into a place where you have no business being. That's that's dangerous. It's another thing when you're walking in the Spirit and the Spirit leads you into hard places. That's very different. And the Spirit of God is going to do that. And Jesus modeled what it looked like to follow God into hard places. He was going exactly where God sent Him. He was walking and led by the Spirit. You need to be led by the Spirit where you go and then he was fed by the spirit for 40 days he was fed by the spirit he didn't have any food his food i don't know that he had a i'm pretty sure he didn't have a big black king james bible i don't think he had a bible at all king james had never even been born when jesus was living king jesus was what he had but he was just he did I, he didn't have a copy of the bible i'm pretty sure i think he just walked out there i think i don't think he Dragged the big Torah behind them or scrolls. And here he goes, out goes Jesus with his... He's got the scroll of Isaiah and the scroll of Malachi. There he goes out into the desert. Oops, no one knows it, but he he stuck a few um, protein bars in there. I think he just went out like this. And he didn't even have water. And for 40 days, his food and drink was the Spirit of God. And he was already full. You know how like when a camel goes out in the wilderness, you know how they can make it? Because they have a lot of water stored up. And Jesus went out there and he had a lot of word stored up. He had built his life on the word of God. And so he went out there, led by the Spirit. He was fed by the Spirit. And he had belt on and sword out. He has belt on, the belt of truth. He was so full and grounded in the word of God. He has spent his life studying the Word of God. It was the, one of the great passions of his life was the Word of God. And that's going to be, if you're going to be led by the Spirit and fed by the Spirit, then you need, to, you need to be grounded in the Scripture. So he had his belt on and he had his sword out, which meant he was always ready. He was walking by the Spirit, full of the Word of God and full of the Spirit. And so when Satan came, he immediately recognized that he was misusing the word of God. He immediately had the spirit of discernment. He immediately said, Satan is misquoting the scriptures. And so he took another scripture and he stuck Satan's lie or misuse of the Bible. And that's what we need to do to be able to walk with God. In Psalm 119, The longest chapter in the Bible, which is about the Bible, in Psalm 119, there's a, 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 a good section there for young people on how to be ready to stand in our culture. In verse 9, how can a young man or a young person keep his or her way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So, young people, how are you going to stand in this culture? You put the word of God in you. You begin to take in the Word of God early. And the earlier the better, right? And you begin to take in the Word of God. And you store it. And so Jesus lived a life like that. He loved the Word of God from His childhood. And he, he, then He was able to know how to take a stand. We have that passage and we read it a lot. And we do so because it's very important. In 2 Timothy chapter 3... In verse 15, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the equipped Christian is the word-filled Christian. Okay? That's why you come to church, is to hear the Word of God. That's why you read the Bible, is to study the Word of God. That's why you have what we call devotion time, to spend time with God and His Word. That's why you read books, books that maybe the author is able to say things in such a way that drives you and go, wow, that's very helpful. Basically, all a book is is a, is a written sermon. If you think of a book as a written sermon, then remember there's good sermons and bad sermons. Okay, so don't waste your time on bad sermons. I've, ne- I've not had one yet, but just you don't make, waste your time on bad sermons. Okay? But the, the Bible tells you also don't waste your time on bad books. Just because someone recommends a book doesn't mean it's, you're free to go with it. There's some bad books. I've had people so-called donate books to our church. And as soon as I saw them, I had to get rid of them. It's like, whoa, we don't believe that. Like people like come and say, oh, here's my box of books I've had for the last 50 years. Did you take time? To... And then sometimes they, people will, would actually put books on our shelves and I'm going, that book contains heresy. But it's popular. It must be. It's popular today. It must be God honoring. And that's why you have to be grounded in the word of God so that you can begin to understand. So I want to mention also, um, I I wanted to mention this. There's a distinction between um, one of the words that talk about the Word of God is logos, Word of God. Jesus is the Word. And there's another Greek word called rhema, the rhema of God. And this is important because in Ephesians 6, it uses the Greek word rhema as opposed to logos, or there are other words that can describe the Word of God, but the rhema is uh, the spoken word. And to me, that's like where the soldier takes out his arrow and the Spirit of God gives him a word, gives him the right word to say. And so in Ephesians 6, 17, it says, um, put on the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema, of God, not the logos, it's the Rama. it is, God gives you just the, just, just the right word by the Spirit of God it's like God the word of God and the Spirit takes from the repository of Scripture and gives you an arrow, takes out of the quiver, just the right arrow, and when you're walking in the Spirit, you begin discerning, you become discerning as to what is the word what is the spoken word you have the written word you study and all of a sudden God, have you Have you been there? Come on, have you been there? Have you been somewhere and you're like going, God gave me the word. Some People sometimes say, I don't even remember studying that. I don't even remember suddenly a word comes from God and it's scripture. and It's like the word of God comes. It's like how many times if, if you haven't experienced that, then I'm just going to say you're not walking in the spirit enough and you're not pulling your sword out. You're not in the, ba- in the game. You're not in the battle. If you are walking with the Spirit and you are reading this book and loving this book, He's going to give you moments where that rhema, that Word of God comes, and you just go, this is from God. It's something I want to share with you or, or a response or someone says something, and you just push back and you go, that's not right. And then suddenly a passage, a text, a verse from the Word of God comes, and it gives you the right word. I forget how this proverb goes but it's something like this um, oh shoot I can't I can't grab it the apples of a word rightly spoken is better than apples of gold and settings of silver something like that but it's just kind of like saying the right word is better than a a a golden candle <laughs> yeah the right word at the right moment is better than something valuable, of great value. It's like more valuable. And so, that's what I, I want to say. So, I, I, I want you to, I, I want this on your heart right now. Here's what I want you to be thinking. Oh God, do I, do I love this? Am I, do I have my belt on? my belt on, do I love this word? And am I, am I, do I know how to use it? Am I ever studying, but never poking? Am I always back here at camp studying the word of God? I go to Bible studies. I love the word. Preach it, brother. Three more hours. Don't stop. Loving it. I know most of you wouldn't say that, but um but it's like love the word but I don't like battle. That's not your choice. That's why you're here. And you might need to pray and say, "Lord God, I've got I've got enough content. Put me in the game, coach. Put me in the game, coach. Help me to start learning to use your word that changes people's lives and combats the lies that are being told everywhere. Put me in the game, coach. I, I I hope that's what your your response is. And some of you maybe you're here and you never even got in you never even got to the bench. You're still in the stands then come on. Come on my friend. Give your life to Jesus today. Just say Lord Jesus I just I want I want to be part of this. I see the lies. I've lived the lies. You cut me open today and I realize I've never been saved. I've never put my faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's where you start. You're like, yeah, I did the church thing. I've done little things. I did camp. I said all these things. But I don't think I've ever had a, a salvation experience where I've been changed by the power of God. I don't think I've ever truly opened my heart for Christ to come in. And I want to do that right now. Open your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, just come into my life. Is that you? Is that anyone here? Is that you? Are you just saying right here today, like, come into my life, Jesus. I need you. I need you. You've exposed. I know I've done some things. I don't like to talk about them, but I've just opened my heart to you. Lord God, just come into my heart today and save me. Save me from myself. Save me from my sin. Save me from hell. Save me from death. Just come into me, Lord Jesus. Be my Savior. Be my Savior. Lord Jesus, save me. That's the first prayer. If that's... I just want you to, if you need to pray that prayer, my friend, just pray that prayer here and now. And the okay. second prayer is, Lord, put me in the game. Teach me. I've been going to church all my life and I still don't know much. Teach me then. Teach me. And then some of you may say, I've been going to church all my life and I know a lot, but I don't do anything with Then say, Lord, teach me how to... Teach me how to apply your word. My family, I got lost family members and I just, I don't say the right thing. Or maybe I'm arrogant or prideful and just help me, humble me in your spirit, Lord. Teach me to take the sword of your spirit. Not not like a, a, a hammer to beat people with, but a, teach me the, the skill of a surgeon, God. I want to learn how to, I'm not smart, I don't have a lot of verses, but take me, help me to know what I do know and how, when do I speak and when do I apply it and when do I respond and give me courage, God, because there are people going to get mad at me and people yell at me and they don't like the Word of God, but Lord, that's why I'm here. Put me in the game. I, I want to teach me. Begin teaching me. I mean, some of you just need to say, Lord, teach me to take what I already know and to help me. I want to be useful. I want to be useful, for you. okay? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your love and Your power. Thank You for this Word that has cut to our hearts and that's when we became a Christian. And we want to be part of this great work, oh God. Teach us to love your word and then help us to apply it, Father. Forgive us when we've, we've only done the first half. We're ever taking in the word, we ever study, but we're not any good in the battle. Lord, no one's getting saved around us. No one's, we're not combating the lies in our culture. No one's standing up and saying that's not true and that's a lie. And, and then, God, just, we just want to be engaged Help us to be engaged. This battle is all around us and some of us are just sleepy or we're afraid to be bold. Help us, God. Lord, if there's someone here to be saved, save them right here, right now. Cry out to Jesus, my friend. Ask Jesus into your heart today and let us be good soldiers, Lord. Teach us to take the Word. That Word from You, that rhema, that Word of God and apply it with healing and to dispel lies for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.